Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. We have arrived at episode 35, three to the five, and uh, we've got a good show for you today. Today, we've, we've been doing, I don't know if you're, you know, you're probably aware that we've been doing a lot of episodes this month. We're doing one episode every single day for the month of April, 30 episodes in 30 days. And so we've been doing a lot of listener Q&A questions. And so we're going to break that up with a, uh, an interview today. And today, we're going to be interviewing my buddy, Matthew Kimberly. And before I tell you about Matthew and uh, what we're going to be chatting about, uh, let me remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to be involved in a private Facebook group that we have. We we have a group of over 3,500 speakers, new speakers, veteran speakers, advanced speakers, intermediate speakers, up and coming speakers, all of the above. Speakers that want to speak full time, speakers that want to do a little bit on the side, speakers that want to speak to get paid, speakers that want to speak for free and use lead generation or sell some type of book or product or service or coaching or consulting. You want to be a part of it. All right. You can find uh, that free group over at the speakerlabgroup.com thespeakerlabgroup.com would love for you to check that out and be a part of that group again totally free free private facebook group over at thespeakerlabgroup.com all right, so today we're going to be chatting with my buddy Matthew Kimberly. Matthew uh, is not only a great speaker, he's a very likable, funny, charismatic dude, all-around swell, nice, generous guy. Uh, and Matthew is really, really good about selling from stage. And so uh, he's got a great process for teaching. How do you actually sell something from stage? So let's say, for example, you wanted to speak primarily to sell something. Again, like we kind of alluded to there, you want to speak to sell some type of book or product or service or coaching or consulting or some type of maybe high-end training package that you would want to offer. How do you actually do that? What does that look like? Not only how do you do that from stage, but then also how do you do that from your site and some of your, your materials? Uh, and so Matthew's going to walk us through a process today of how you actually walk through that. And, and again, I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to give you a lot of information. He's going to go through it very, very quickly, just a high level view, but then he's got a free bonus that he's going to throw in at the end there. So make sure that you look out for that. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Here's my uh, conversation, a little sales training from Matthew Kimberly. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my buddy, Matthew Kimberly, who uh, he lives kind of a, a glamorous speaker life. He lives in uh, literally on some remote island in the Mediterranean, and he has this uh, beautiful, sexy accent. So, Matthew, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey Grant, hey everybody, thank you for having me and thank you for your kind words about my accent. I swear at least 
you know, 50, 60% of my revenue is down to my exotic <laughs> accent. If I tried to hawk my wares back in the UK, they'd be like, who's this joker? I go to the States and elsewhere and they say, hmm, I could listen to you all day long. It's so soothing. Do you think, okay, now an honest question, like legitimate question. I know that there's a lot of people who email me and ask me like, hey, I have an accent, whether it's like from the South here in the US or some accent from overseas. Is that going to inhibit me from getting booked? Do you find that the accent helps you at all? Absolutely. No, no, I'm I'm deadly serious. People listen to me because of my accent and the market I've chosen. Um, Obviously, some of the stuff I say is quite good as well. I work hard. (laughs) I work hard to not be a complete nincompoop when I'm teaching or speaking. But the accent, sure, it helps. And also, there's another important element to that, Grant, which is, you know, it's it's like being yourself as well. I could put on another accent. I could try to tone it down or even play it up. But I find that, and sometimes I play it up. Sometimes I become incredibly pop and incredibly English and, you know, uh, get the temptation to strut onto stage with a bowler hat and an umbrella and a copy of the Sunday Times, <laughs> sit down and have some tea, toast and crumpets and discuss what's new in the empire. <laughs> but generally, I tend to be, you know, tend to be myself. And so if you can be yourself, no, you should never, ever worry about your accent. If you've got a wicked, cool Southern accent, then play it up, be yourself. People enjoy that. But certainly in my case, if and I'm deadly serious, I, I believe uh, that the novelty factor is a useful element for having people listen to you or even getting booked to speak. Yeah, I totally would agree with that. It can definitely, I don't feel like I have any accent to go off of, but it, it seems like it can be such an endearing quality. And so rather than, you know, if it's a distraction, that's one thing, but I think for most people, it's not. It just, like you said, it kind of makes, makes them them. It makes them kind of a unique speaker and stand out from uh, all of us common folk who don't have accents. So, uh, so give us kind of a snapshot here. How did you get into speaking? What do you speak about today? So I got into speaking more or less by accident. You know, Grant, I always enjoyed when I was a kid being on stage. I was never afraid. I did a lot of theater, a lot of drama when I was in high school. And even for a short period of time, worked as a, a jobbing actor. I got paid to perform on stages in Italy. Uh, I was a touring vagabond minstrel going from educational establishment to educational establishment, teaching the delights of the English language through the medium of theater. So I've never been afraid to get up on stage. I was in the school debate team. I loved the sound of my own voice. Enjoyed all of those things. And that was never strange to me. I didn't, however, do any kind of real performing at all throughout my career, which is mainly in sales. I did timeshare sales. I did double glazing telephone-based sales. I did recruitment sales. And then one day I started my own recruitment company and I found that I was responsible for teaching other people how to do the job. I was the CEO of a small company and as the new hires would come through the door, I'd spend a couple of weeks with them and and often a couple of hours every single day turning them into better recruiters. And I realized that I really enjoyed this standing up and training slash performing because good training is a good performance by the trainer to inspire and educate and motivate the people who you have as your victims for the course of the day or the afternoon. So then when I finally made the jump and did what I was supposed to do, which was teach people how to sell full time, I realized that I wanted to lean heavily on one of the areas that I had experience in and that I wasn't afraid of and that I was probably quite good at was to speak and to specifically speak on stage. So, you know, one of my marketing strategies for booking my training business, my sales training, my marketing consultancy business was to speak to large crowds of people. And I did it for free. You know, I did it for as a lead generation tool. Primarily, I'd stand up and I'd teach something killer at a conference. And, and it, it wasn't didn't happen from one day to the next, but I started off with tiny audiences and 
small business networking groups and breakfast clubs and things like that. And I'd go and have a 15 minute slot or a 20 minute slot. And then a friend who ran a financial services company said, can you come and train our staff? And I said, sure, why don't we start with an hour's presentation and realized that I could do that and and get paid for it. And so it got to the stage where I, I, I went from speaking on stage to spread the word and to generate leads to speaking on the stage to sell stuff. You know, it was a direct result of you listening to me. You will go and buy something that I have for sale there and then on that day, whether it's a copy of my book or an hour of my time or product that you can work through in your own time. And then more recently, over the last two years or so, I started to get paid for the gig itself. So I've gone from speaking for nothing to speaking as lead gen to speaking for selling from the back of the room to getting paid to speak. You covered a couple different things there I want to touch on. So uh, I definitely want to come back to, and just to kind of tease everyone, we're going to be talking a little bit about just how you sell from stage. And this is something that I've seen you do really well. And this is a really good skill for any speaker to have, whether you're selling some type of, you know, high-end consulting or, or some type of, of, of coaching package, or even just a, you know, a $10 book and how you, or in your cases, I've seen, how do you sell an apple from stage? So we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But one of the things that you mentioned there was you always have, have kind of had this confidence on stage, you know, whether it be something that you were doing theater or acting or performing in some way, there's always kind of that level of confidence. Do you think that it's like, is that something that you're just born with? Is that something that can be taught? Is that something that's developed over time? What are your thoughts on that? Because I know just nerves in general is one of the things that holds a lot of, of new speakers back. And one of the things that people get kind of hung up on is I, I get really, really nervous and it's really hard for me to be comfortable and confident on stage. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, is that something that, that uh, you were born with, you're taught? Is it something that just develops? How, how's that come to be for you? Yeah, I think it would be dishonest to say that there aren't some people who feel more naturally comfortable on stage or who are more naturally suited to standing up in front of crowds of people and having the spotlight shine on them. You know, they're extroverts and they're introverts. There's no doubt about it. However, there are a couple of questions, Grant. One is, you know, can it be taught? Of course it can be taught. Yeah, you can be taught some techniques, strategies, and processes for becoming a more comfortable speaker. And like many things, the more you do something, the more comfortable you will become. I'm not suggesting you go, you go all out exposure therapy. And if you hate it, do more of it until you don't hate it. Because you, know, you have to be a masochist, right? But it's like any unknown. The reason that we are uncomfortable in most cases is because we're faced with the unknown. It's very unusual that we will be put ourselves in a situation where we are repeatedly uncomfortable with the known. So if, you, if it's your first day in a new school, you don't know where the toilets are, you don't know where to take lunch, you don't know who to sit with at lunch, you feel uncomfortable. And then the next day you feel slightly more comfortable and the day after that you feel slightly more comfortable. And the same goes with speaking, I believe. So you can get more comfortable by doing more of it. But rather like anything, if if you're doing it wrong or if you're doing it in a way that that is more damaging than beneficial, like if you're doing exercises at the gym with bad form, you can end up damaging yourself more than you can end up doing good. The way that you perform is, is important as well. So I, I would definitely recommend getting coaching or, or training or, or having some kind of class to teach you how to, how to be a better performer. Um, and with, when, with regards to nerves, Grant, I still get nervous every single time. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to ask you was if you, so every single time, does that, do you think that ever goes away or do you think, do you even want that to go away? Well, that's it. I mean, it doesn't, it, I don't want it to go away. It's no longer nerves that portend the end of time. 
Uh, it's no longer nerves that say the world is going to fall round, down around my ears and I wish this moment would disappear forever. It's nerves that are anticipatory nerves of what is probably going to be a good time. Right, right. And I think that's a, I think that's a great point there that I don't remember who said it, but basically the idea that, that it's easy to confuse nerves for excitement, you know? And so, so when you're standing backstage and you're getting ready to go deliver and you feel like, you know what, if, if as long as I don't really screw up here, like this is going to go really well. And I've put in the work and I've practiced and I've prepared and I know the material that I'm going to deliver and the stories I'm going to share. I know that they work and I know when the punchlines are. And so it's, it's, it's that ex- almost that, that just the excitement energy and not necessarily the nerves that, oh my gosh, you know, the, the world's going to come caving in as soon as I get up there. The only time I've been really nervous recently, and it wasn't in the last couple of years, but prior to that is when I was, I knew I was unprepared. Yeah. And it was actually a hosting gig. I was hosting an award ceremony and I thought I could wing it. And as it got closer to the time, I realized actually they're probably, that was probably a bad idea, you know, given the fact that I had to talk for three minutes before each before each award on why this award was important. And I did fine according to the audience feedback, but for me, I felt it was one of the worst performances of my life. Just, and I wasn't proud just of Just because that. of a lack of preparation? Yeah, lack of preparation. Yeah, one of the dangers, Grant, for people like you and me is when we are, when we position ourselves as knowledge transferers, you know, we're, we're teachers, we, are, we, we teach stuff, we're used to being put on the spot. You and I could talk for the next four hours with no problem at all because we talk for a living. And we can, you know, because we're experts in, even in a very, very tiny field, it's not beyond the, it's not not beyond the expectation of anybody that we should know enough about our topic to be able to talk about it convincingly and at length whenever put on the spot. I think it was Seth Godin when asked, how do you manage to write every day? He said, you can't call yourself an expert unless unless you can come up with 300 or 400 words a day on your topic of expertise. So that's a danger when you feel that you can, you can wing it. You kind of know enough. It's a dangerous thing to be unprepared. So what Um, for for this podcast, Grant, I haven't, come prepared, right? I haven't come prepared for this podcast. You haven't given me a list of questions. I don't know what's going to be happening, but I know that we're going to have a conversation that's prompted in two directions. I'm going to ask you questions. You're going to ask me questions. We're going to give each other food for thought. The conversation is going to flow and we know that we have to stay on topic and we should ideally share information which is useful to um, other people in a way that is also easy for them to digest. When you are on your own on stage... You don't necessarily have that as well uh, either. If I'm speaking at a conference and one of the speakers is taken sick over lunch because they have a dodgy oyster and somebody says to me, Matthew, can you do the next 45 minute slot as well? As long as I know that I don't have to create something new or create something from scratch or talk about something I've never spoken about before, as long as I can lean on something that I know inside out, one of my topics, then there's no problem at all. But this award ceremony was different. This award ceremony, you know, um, Matthew will talk for three minutes about the importance of female entrepreneurs in the technology field before presenting the award for best female technological entrepreneur in the UK in 2011. Right. Okay. That's a long three minutes. Yeah, that's a really long three minutes. Right. And, I mean, especially uh, just to get up and if you're, if you're more or less winging it. So I'm curious, like, what does your because preparation makes such a, a difference and everyone has their own process, what does your process look like for just preparing so that you know when you get up, you're, you're ready to go? Only speak about one thing. <laughs> Whatever possible. I've got two speeches. 
when it, many people who you know, I'm involved with um, Michael Ports who wrote public speaking I've been involved in that he's my business partner I, I work primarily on the book yourself solid size for that but when when he wrote public speaking was getting started several years ago it was part of the book yourself solid business and I got to meet a lot of people who are beginning their speaking journey at that point and and they used to say you know I'd love to be a love to be a professional speaker but I don't know if I could come up with enough stuff to talk about and at that point, I learned that the most highly paid, well-regarded, most respected speakers typically won't have more than two keynote speeches that they deliver. Right. So my preparation now is making sure I know who the audience is and what is relevant to them and what's interesting to them so I can cannibalize the parts from my speech and make it appropriate for them. So in terms of, of you've got two dialed in, really, really rock solid presentations, how much do you, yeah. would you say, once you kind of learn about the audience in terms of that preparation, how much do you tweak and customize? Like, what are we talking like 50%, 5%? What does that look like for you? 20% max. Yeah. I would, and, even, and that would be, that would be the examples. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to say, and 20% is even, even as high. You know, I think yeah, it's sometimes a lot of cases is even less than that. Yeah, I mean, that is high. And if you know, it doesn't need to be that much. It could be, let's say you've got a 45 minute, you know, I, I've also the, the two keynotes I, I give can either be 45 minutes or 90 minutes, you know, beyond 90 minutes is, is, is pushing it. I yeah. can turn that into a workshop for sure. But you know, in terms of um, the, the actual keynote, if I've got an audience, if I'm teaching book yourself solid, and I've got an audience of hairdressers, then I can make sure that every example I give is related to hairdressing. Pricing strategies. Let's talk about pricing strategies for a cut and a color or a cut and a blow dry or a, or a head massage. Uh, whereas if I'm talking to real estate professionals, then I'm not going to talk about cut and blow dry. I'm going to talk about you know, letting and, and, and villas and signing up to mortgage agreements. and, and You're, you're a lot more comfortable with hairdressers than you are with real estate agents. <laughs> That's the story of my life. No, no, that's, that's, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. Yeah. All right. So uh, one of the things that you mentioned kind of in your own story and journey was that you had been doing a lot of speaking for free, basically as a lead generation thing. But then you all, then you said uh, a couple years ago, you started making the transition to paid. So how to kind of talk us through that transition. How do you how did you go from from free to fee, so to speak? It was the same. It was the same bookers, the same the same conference bookers, the same conference organisers who hiring me first of all to sorry who 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 were giving me the opportunity to come and do lead gen. Who then said, "Listen, Matthew, we've also got this slot if you like." So um, for these multi speaker events, right? There are some speakers who sell most of them, and some who don't. So a multi-speaker event is typically low ticket price for the attendee. Uh, you get in, it'll have an overarching theme like real estate secrets or the ultimate professional development or ultimate personal development or how to get rich on the internet or some general theme. And there might be six speakers a day over two days, you know, 12 speakers in total. And the vast majority of those speakers will be selling something, but not all of them. And I was one of the not all of them. I was one of those for a long time who wasn't selling anything because I didn't have anything to sell and because I had great content and because it always landed very well with the audience. So um, it then got to the stage where I, I had something to sell and they invited me. I said, listen, Matthew, you're such a hit with the audience. Why don't, why don't you start to sell them something? And so I tried and I realized it was enjoyable and straightforward and could be done with integrity. And that, that was it. And then I realized you know, the opportunities to allow people to express their values through their wallets existed and, 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 and that's a favor you're doing them. You know, people take your stuff more seriously when they pay for it. Right. And, and you're able to make more of a difference to people 
when they are, the more invested somebody is in you, the more they will get out of you, I believe. You know, I think a lot of people, whenever they go to some type of conference or session and they're, you're there to, to learn and to, you know, to, to be entertained and to experience, you know, just the content that the speaker may have to share. But then as soon as it like transitions into some type of, of pitch, it can also be a huge turnoff for people. And I think we've all sat through sessions where it's like, it was, it was just one big infomercial. So do you think there's yeah. anything like, let's just talk high level for a second. Is there anything wrong with selling from stage? Is there any issues with that? I know exactly what you mean, Grant. And, you know, I think if I'm honest, one of the reasons I avoided it for so long is because I didn't want to be lumped with all the other guys who were salesmen. Exactly. Right. Even though I'm a professional salesman, right? I didn't want to be that guy. There is nothing wrong with it. I think, I think you have to come from a position of pure honesty, mm-hmm. right? So you saw one of my keynotes, Grant, which is about how to sell, right? How to sell without selling out. And I begin yeah. that by saying, let me be crystal clear. I will be selling you something today. <laughs> but here's what's going to happen over the next in your case you know you saw webinar ninja it was 20 minutes here's what's going to happen over the next 20 minutes i will be selling you something do i have your permission to do that and the answer is yes right i think the bait and switch is never a good thing yeah. i think and we know that you know refunds are high when you motivate people purely based upon emotion because the next day the emotion is no longer there um so yeah no uh, i'm being long-winded i think it's not I think it can be an awkward thing. I don't think it's always a bad thing. I think if somebody has paid a considerable amount of money or an important sum to attend your conference, then you have a duty to reimburse them with content and with value commensurate to the price that they've paid. Which means it can't be pure pitch, right? If you've paid paid 400 bucks to attend a seminar then you can't leave there saying that was a long, that was one long infomercial. You can't. Right, right. There's a friend of mine who, my coach, Taki Moore, he, he teaches us, uh, he, the, the way that he, he has a program, which is, I'm, I'm just thinking how much I, I, I'm able to say, but uh, I think it's no professional secret to say, you know, he, he has a way during, during the workshops that he delivers of telling everybody well in advance. They're like, listen, here's the deal. If you want to find out more about working with me, then hang around now because what's going to follow is a commercial presentation. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Go to lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's content, 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 an invitation to stick around for a pitch or not. No hard feelings either way. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a great way of doing it as well. Well, give us kind of a high level view. You, you did a, you referenced that the Webinar Ninja Live event where you and I both spoke and saw you give a presentation about selling, you know, in that context on a, on a webinar, but it also applies obviously to stage. So kind of walk us through, you have a great process for it of how someone could actually go about selling from stage. Sure. Do you want it in a nutshell? Yeah. Give us the, uh, the nutshell and then we'll kind of, we'll dive into a couple pieces of it. Sure. So there, I, I believe that whether you're selling on stage or whether you're selling face to face, whether you're selling long term or short term, whether you're selling on a webinar or or selling in the street, there are about there are about there are exactly sixteen steps that you need to take somebody through. You need to go through yourself, and the first one is qualification, which means you need to get the audience to qualify themselves, or you need to qualify the members of the audience as being potential um, purchasers of whatever it is that you're hawking. (laughs) 
Um, in my case, my qualification is because I'm selling an apple, right? From stage, from by means of example, I say, do you sometimes get hungry? Yes. Okay. So uh, do you value your health? Yes. Okay. Do you have more than 50 bucks in your pocket or do you have access to more than 50 bucks? Yes. Okay. So you're qualified, right? Because I'm going to sell you an apple for 50 bucks. Okay, so it's very, it's a very basic, very, very basic qualification question. You know, uh, do you have or can you get the money? Are you? Is it relevant to you? Are you someone who sometimes gets hungry? Or you know, if I was selling sales training, I might say, are you somebody who sells something for a living? Do you take your job seriously? Have you invested in sales training material at any time in the last two years? Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, we it's worthwhile having this conversation then. If you don't work in sales and you don't have, uh, you don't you don't value it, then then there's no point carrying on the conversation. Then you need to start to exercise control of your audience, and control typically means letting them know that for the duration of this present presentation, then um, you're going to be the boss. Because what we want to do is we want to lead them, we want to hold them by the hand and lead them to what will ultimately be the close. All right. So you, you, you have to be in control of any sales process, whether you're doing it on the telephone or long distance or in hotel rooms or hotel conference rooms, whether you're selling nuclear power plants or whether you're selling widgets, it doesn't matter. The, the salesperson must be in control of the process in order to lead the flow and exercising that authority over the audience member also instills confidence in them that you're somebody who, who they can follow. We don't like to follow somebody who we don't trust knows what they're doing. In addition to that, you need to be likable. You need to be credible. And likability is you know, various ways of doing that. You can give somebody a hug. You can look them in the eyes. You can show them the photo of the cat that you recently adopted from the homeless shelter. Um, and I'm being, I'm being a bit blase about this, but I think you know, <laughs> I'm, giving, I'm giving you off-the-cuff examples. But we, you know, it doesn't matter how good or credible or brilliant you are. If we don't like you, then... Uh, and likability is also a lot about genuineness. You, know, you don't have to be liked by everybody. But when you are yourself, I believe that the right people will fall in like with you quite quickly. And credibility is, is, you know, can you demonstrate that you know what you're talking about, preferably with facts, externally verifiable facts, like I have worked with seven other clients, or I have provided this solution to 423 different people over the last 16 years, uh, whatever that might be, or I am recognized by, or I have, I have got a university degree in psychology. Expert endorsement, because what you say about yourself doesn't really count. So step five is expert endorsement. What other people say about you is far more important. And then number six, you identify the problem. And this is, so we move away from the, the kind of found, the foundational elements of making sure that the people you're talking to are the right people, that you've let them know that you're the boss and you've let them know why you're worth listening to. And then we introduce the problem solution, the benefits and the social proof. So the problem is, whatever the problem is, it has to be something that gets people immediately saying yes. You know, does your dog poop? I saw on the packet of a dog um, hygiene product in the supermarket the other day. It was absolutely brilliant. It was, a, it was dog bags, doggy bags that you use to pick up your dog's poop. And it said, you know, a question that you can't say no to, it says, does your dog poop? The answer was yes, this is a problem I have. My dog poops. Great. Okay. So you said yes to that. So let's move on to find a solution to that problem. Or it might be, you know, do you sometimes get hungry? Yes. Do you find that you're not making as many sales as you would like? Do you find it frustrating that you can't get any girl's telephone number? Do you wish that you could commune with your ancient ancestors, but you don't know how to do it? Yes. You want to find a problem that people can immediately say yes to uh, and then present them with the solution. 
Well, the good news is I have the solution and my solution is my school for selling. It's my Apple. It's my guide to getting girls' telephone numbers. It's my, you know, encyclopedia of spiritual communication methods or whatever that might be. And there we go. So we've, we've solved your problem. And by the way, when you have had this problem solved, this is the result you'll get, but there'll also be all kind of associated, benef- associated benefits. You won't only get girls' telephone numbers, but you will grow in stature and confidence. And you'll sleep better at night. You won't only be able to commune better with your dead relatives, but you'll also be able to commune better with your living relatives. You will find that you have more interesting things to talk about in uh, dinner parties or something like that. So we introduce the benefits as well as the solution. We say, here's the big result, but let's not forget that your life will become better in all sorts of following ways when you buy my solution, frankly. You've introduced a solution, but not the price yet. Now, I'm curious. Um, let, me, and, let me jump in for a second. So, I mean, obviously, all of this is is, is dependent on the context and the audience of, of who you're talking to. Is this process longer or shorter based on the the product that you're offering? So, if I'm like I said, if, if I'm offering a, a ten dollar book, would would the process look different than if I'm offering a you know a ten thousand dollar consulting package or something? Uh, I think the process would be exactly the same. I think the amount of time that you spend on the relevant areas and I think the examples that you give, um, and I'm blasting through this as as quickly as I possibly can, you know, but typically I think if it's going to be given from the stage, we'd be looking at least an hour. An hour just just on the pitch? No, an hour on the entire thing. But this is the entire thing. What I'm saying is, you know, when I, when I talk about problem, for example, I say, do you sometimes have this problem? Do you sometimes get hungry? Yes, that's the absolute Cliff's Notes version of it. Mm-hmm. But what I would typically do is tell a story about somebody who had that problem. Gotcha. Or let me introduce you to John. John is probably just like you. For years and years, John didn't know how to get girls' telephone numbers. Still lived with his parents. Poor John. Poor John. Woe <laughs> could, is John. Could you get a date if he, if, if, even if he paid for it? this was how miserable John was before do you recognize this problem let me introduce you to Roger Roger wearing plaid trousers and the beanie cap and and, you know and and you can have a lot of fun with that you'd introduce these each element uh, separately in the most relevant way to your and, and you know this this checklist Grant I'm going through now is also a great checklist for a sales page yeah right right right. Um, or or an entire funnel Let's say you want to lead or a launch process. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all, this, this is applicable. It's also applicable to your entire career as a knowledge worker. So at the beginning, you know, as, as long as you know what you're selling, I don't cover in my material how to decide what you're going to sell or how to find your passion or how to develop a product. I don't, I don't cover that. I, I go from the point that we have something ready to take to market. So this is even, you know, firstly, uh, it's, it's a marketing strategy for an entire company. Mm-hmm. You know, can you, if you're, if you're doing long form corporate sales, you know, something which might take two years to close up, you still need to hit all of these boxes. You still need to start with qualification of your lead you still need to make sure you're exercising control over your prospect from the moment that they put their hand up as a prospect you need to work on your likability and your credibility and your expert endorsement and that process might take six months but when we're on or or six years but when we're on stage we probably have closer to six minutes but it's about checking these boxes does that answer your question yeah no that makes sense all right so we're at we're at uh, seven here 
Yeah, so we got to number eight, which is introduce the benefits. Number nine is social proof. So, you know, again, leaning heavily on Cialdini, uh, who's also given us likability and, and, and authority and, and the rest. We come back to social proof. So social proof means I don't want to be the guinea pig in this situation. I don't want it. People are saying, it looks great. I'm interested. Uh, I'd, be, I'd really feel assured if other people were doing it. And social proof is giving examples of other people who have had the result that you're looking for as a result of consuming the product or service that is being sold today. Gotcha. So, you know, you're not the only person who eats apples all around the world. Right now, this minute, there are probably hundreds of thousands of people chomping into a delicious Granny Smith. You too can be like them. And then people are starting to come up with objections, you know, and we need to preempt those objections. And objections typically fall into, uh, you know, a, a small number of categories, irrespective of what it is that you're selling. Um, there'll be, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, it won't work for me. I don't need it. I'm too experienced or I'm too inexperienced or my situation is unique. Right. right? So um, as long as you can address those somehow, don't have the time, don't have the money, probably won't work for me. And the best way to address those objections is through third party stories, if you possibly can, to say, you know, you, you might be saying to yourself, well, this is me. And, and really, as a salesperson, I think we have to be natural pessimists. I think we have to, although we can assume the sale, that can be a very powerful closing strategy, assuming the sale. It can also be a very powerful opening strategy. So what am I here to sell you today, guys? Well, I didn't know you were. Oh, well, I'm going to be able to sell you something by the end of our lesson, by the end of our meeting. That's actually, you know, quite a fun one to use. You've got to assume a slightly pessimistic stance as well and work on the assumption that if something is going to go wrong, you want to nip it in the bud before it does. Yeah. So a very poor salesperson has their head firm, uh, their head lodged firmly in the sand, you know, um, fingers crossed. Everything's going to be absolutely fine. If I just cross my fingers and ignore the warning signs, then these people will buy. And, 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 and so we try to preempt our objections by giving examples of, or by discarding the objections, saying why the objections are, are, are not something that they need to be paying too much attention to today. And, and, that, and then it brings us to the offer. So we say, so, you know, today, here we have my fantastic Apple, which is yours for only 50 bucks, or we have my system of how to get any girl's telephone numbers for only five easy installments of $100 each, or, or whatever that is. You make the offer, you say, so no more about it, let me show you, here's what it is, boom, 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 bang, bang, bang. And people are saying, okay, so that's the price. And they're starting to justify the price. And then you make it even sweeter by giving them a bonus. And that bonus can be plus, you know, when you do it today, you will also get the following X, Y, Z. And these bonuses, there's tomes and terms of literature written about including bonuses on sales pages or in sales offers or in sales presentations. But really, it should, it should be something that makes people say, ah, you know, even if I didn't get the main product, paying that price and getting that bonus would be well worth it. Gotcha. You then reverse the risk in some way. You know, um, you don't have to. Uh, it certainly helps if you can say, but I want to make this a no-brainer for you. I want you to give you, you know, uh, 60 days to try it out. And if it doesn't work, come back, I'll give you all your money back. Or, you know, I've seen people com compellingly do the opposite as well. I've seen people say, you know, if you're even thinking about coming back here and asking for a refund, don't do it. Because uh, I only want people 100% committed. If you're not 100% committed, this isn't for you. That's why there is no refund policy. That can work as a very powerful close in certain situations, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. You know, I've certainly made a purchase in the past because I'm confident that if it doesn't work out, I can get my money back. Right. And I prefer the no questions asked guarantee. I've also seen some statistics recently that says, you know, the longer the guarantee period, 
Mm -hmm. the less likely people are to claim it. You know, Grant, you've probably been in this long enough to know that. Do you offer a guarantee on any of your programs? We do. We typically do 30 days. Okay. So you, if I don't know how many you have, probably not very many, but if you, you know, if you do get refund requests, probably the vast majority come around day 28 or 29, right? Yeah, typically. Sure. So some of the statistics I've seen show that if you prolong your guarantee or your refund period to one year or two years, then people just forget about it. Yeah. Right. So it's my intention to ask for a refund at the end of the refund period, but then uh, I know I've got another year or a lifetime guarantee. Why not? You know, um, I can, you know, many reasons why not. But I don't think there's any danger in offering a generous satisfaction guarantee. And I think if you can stand behind your product or service. Now, if you're providing your time, then I think your time should never come with a money back guarantee. Right, you know, right. I'll give you two hours of my time and I'm never going to get that back. So no, you've got to be convinced of that in advance. So you do offer some kind of way to reverse the risk. And then, and then you apply the scarcity and the urgency elements to the close. Uh, scarcity, you would typically say, look, there aren't very many of these available or... Well, no, that's basically it. That's, that's scarcity. That's there, scarcity aren't, that's scarcity. <laughs> no, there, there aren't very many available. So you better move quick. Numbers are limited. And then, uh, and then urgency as well. And, you know, you want to do this today. And, and one of the ways that we can help with the urgency is to give a time-based discount. So people have offered, you know, you've made them the offer back at step 11, you've told them the full price, the retail price, then you've loaded the value by explaining the bonuses. And then as you get a little bit clo uh, closer towards the close, you tell them, look, there aren't very many of these available. And, and this offer will only be available for the next 24 hours, uh, or for the next 100 units. Uh, and, and I've seen, you know, I've seen some speakers who are, inc who are so confident of their closing rate. So they will know, for example, they can close 15% of any room. So they will say, if there are 100 people in the room, then they will say there are only 15 units available. And if there are 200 people in the room, they will say there are only 30 packages available. Gotcha. Uh, in order that, you know, the real numbers, they can then go to the back of the room and they can count down. They can say, and package number 27 has just been sold. Please run to the back of the room if you need to get your hands on this today before they all go. Let me go for... Urgency. Urgency is some time-based discount, uh, typically. Uh, so here's the extra incentive for you to do it right now. You are only going to pay a thousand. I'm going to throw in these extra bonuses, which means you're getting three thousand dollars worth of value. There are only ten of these available. They'll only be available for the next twenty-four hours. But if you buy it in the next fifteen minutes, then you can have a fifty percent discount. And the reason I'm offering you that incentive right now is because I know that people who move fast are the people who are the most successful or, you know, the best at eating apples or the most likely to pick up lots of telephone numbers in the future. That might be. So for all that is holy, make a decision to make a decision right now. Gotcha. And you close them. Well done. That was a good sign. Okay, let me ask you this, because there's a lot of people I know that are like trying to, to write 16 different steps down and keep up with it. Do you have like a summary of these somewhere? You get a link somewhere? You know, I'm glad you asked, Grant, because this is actually my next program. Okay. I don't think my new program, Professional Persuasion, is going to be up in the next couple of weeks. But this, you know, my new Professional Persuasion program goes into huge depth on every element of this and applying it to all parts of your business. But I'm going to put a cheat sheet together of this for your audience, Grant. So can we, can we make that available in the show notes? Yeah, let's do that. Tell us where to find it. Awesome. 
in your show notes. Beautiful. All right, man. We'll tell you what, we got to wrap up here. So if people want to find out more about you and uh, what you're up to, we'll definitely include the soon coming link uh, in the show notes so people can definitely check that out. But if people want to see what you're up to in the meantime and check out your more information about you as a speaker, uh, where, where can we go? You go to MatthewKimberly.com. And that's Matthew with two T's and Kimberly is spelled L-E-Y at the end. Super cute. All right, dude. Well, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the chat. Take care, Grant. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat chatteroo with Matthew Kimberly. Good stuff there, huh? Did you like that? Was that helpful? A lot of stuff. I told you we were going to go through it fast and a lot of information he was going to be dumping on us. So hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, from Matthew Kimberly, definitely check out his stuff over at MatthewKimberly.com. Hey, also, let me remind you, if you haven't already joined that free private Facebook group, you got to be a part of it. You can go to thespeakerlabgroup.com. Again, that is thespeakerlabgroup.com. Uh, it's a free private Facebook group, no strings attached. If you have questions, if you get stuck, if you need help, if you need support, if you want to share wins, if you just want to network with other speakers, that is the place to be. Again, over 3,500 speakers in there. You got to check it out over at thespeakerlabgroup.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode, episode 35. We will be coming at you again tomorrow. Again, we're doing one episode every single day this month. So we will see you tomorrow, my friend. You're awesome. Awesome.